Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. China's top leaders have signaled more support for the real estate sector and are adding measures to boost consumption. We get more from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong. The Communist Party promised more of what it calls counter-cyclical policy. That suggests more economic support along with an adjustment of restrictions in the property sector. But the meeting did not include major fiscal or monetary loosening. China's leaders pledged to boost consumption and resolve local government debt. Investors have been waiting for more support after data showed China's economic momentum slowing in the second quarter. Financial markets initially showed limited enthusiasm for the measures, but later U.S.-listed Chinese stocks rose more than 4%. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. We go to Apple next. We are being told that the company is asking its suppliers, principally in Asia, to produce about 85 million units of the iPhone 15 this year. That is pretty much in line with the year before. And it comes despite a projected drop in the overall market for smartphones. Here is Bloomberg's Mandeep Singh. Think of what happened last week when TSMC took down its guidance by 10 percent. And uh, they called out weakness on the smartphone and PC side. So clearly, I think this calms down the nerves in terms of Apple really seeing a big decline with their new launch. Here's the thing. We're also hearing that Apple will probably see higher revenue overall. Wonder why? Well, that's because the company is considering raising prices of the iPhone Pro models. Now, Apple stock has surged nearly 50% so far this year, and that has helped to push the market capitalization for the company to $3 trillion. We had uh, the stock today, very little changed in the late trading right now. I have it up about uh, four tenths of 1%. Brian? And another stock that did well today was Tesla. Tesla is looking abroad now to keep growth going. That story from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. Tesla has disclosed more sales than ever outside the U.S. and China. The electric vehicle maker in a regulatory filing revealed that revenue from other international markets more than doubled to close to $8 billion in the second quarter. And while the U.S. remains Tesla's biggest source of sales, revenue has plateaued. After approaching $12 billion in the final three months of 2022, sales in Tesla's home market have been lower for the past two quarters. Growing revenue will be a challenge in the third quarter because Tesla has scheduled shutdowns at its factories for updates. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And Doug, Tesla was up 3.5% in this latest session. Well, a steep drop in stock trading revenue is weighing heavily on one of the best-known trading firms here in the U.S. We have more from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. Citadel Securities reporting its first half trading revenue tumbling 35% from the same period a year ago, generating $2.73 billion in revenue in the first six months of 2023. That's compared to a record $4.2 billion in the first half of last year. Well, that windfall last year attributed to a lot of volatility from a series of interest rate hikes from the Federal Reserve, fears of a U.S. recession, and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But this year, investor worries about all those headline risks have declined, along with market volatility and trading revenue. 
Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. UBS says it will pay about $387 million in fines related to misconduct by Credit Suisse. The fines are linked to the Swiss bank's dealings with Archegos Capital Management. In a consent order with the Fed, UBS agreed to pay just under $270 million for unsafe and unsound counterparty credit risk management practices at Credit Suisse. And separately, the Bank of England's Prudential Regulation Authority fined Credit Suisse one hundred twelve. Million dollars. The UK regulator said the bank failed to learn from past similar experiences and had insufficiently addressed its concerns. UBS's acquisition of Credit Suisse actually closed last month. Since then, the firm said that legal liabilities related to Credit Suisse could cost the company as much as four billion dollars over the next year. All right. Daybreak Asia. I'm Doug Krisner, along with Brian Curtis. And we're going to look at uh, some of the things that we were talking about on our uh, production call earlier in the day. Brian, you and I were speaking about this call from uh, J.P. Morgan strategist Marco Kalanovich, right? Yeah. So he's kind of uh, staying with the position, a noted bear, along with um, Mike Wilson over at Morgan Stanley. But Wilson throws in the towel. So it's kind of one of these things that recently... It's been slow in happening, but some of the biggest bears have kind of um, changed their tune a little bit. Uh, But Marco Kalanovich is sticking with it. Yeah, 19 percent so far this year for the S&P 500. That's the gain we're looking at. That's a tough pill to swallow if you've been on the other side of the market. And I was looking at a conversation that uh, some of our colleagues had earlier in the day with Ed Yardeni of Yardeni Research. He was saying there's a reasonable chance for a U.S. economic boom Uh, due in large part to improved productivity. He is linking this to not only artificial intelligence, but things like robotics and quantum computing. And he thinks it could turn out to be something like the roaring 2020s. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, he's been he's been pretty positive, uh, along with Tom Lee. Um, And also, you know, you've got this uh, this China side uh, stimulus that we've talked a little bit about. The headlines out here are lines like uh, the Politburo lets real estate off the leash uh, after six long years um, uh, on the shackles come off the property sector. And it's been well noted that President Xi has said in the past that houses were for living in, not speculating. The Politburo made no mention of that line in uh, the the uh, rundown of all the measures that uh, they're planning from uh, yesterday yesterday's meeting uh, so it seems like they've changed their mind a little bit mm. on real estate does it work does it change people's attitudes will consumers start spending again that's the part we don't know well economists over at Morgan Stanley were saying that the readout overall was a little more dovish than expected and these economists went on to say this could be a defining moment very much akin to October 2018 we'll have to wait and see Yeah. All right. Time now for global news. Israel's parliament has indeed passed the law that weakens the judicial system. Ed Baxter is getting his head around that and has all the rest of the global news in the 960 newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, exactly right, Brian. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's government passing it with very small majority, very slim, and a sharply divided country. Netanyahu, through a translator, saying it is necessary and was time. Today, we performed a needed democratic step in order to bring back a balance between the branches, what we didn't have for 50 years. 
But the protests that have been going on now for months in anticipation have escalated. And Bloomberg's Ethan Bronner says it leaves several questions. The fear is that it will uh, make the regulatory environment much more politicized, that it will um, also allow uh, the political leaders to do things uh, that, uh, would, that the law would normally stop them from doing. For example, to fire people who oversee them or to uh, hire cronies. Now, military reservists in large numbers say they can no longer serve, and the protests have been made up of tech workers, basically, and what Bonner calls the expert class. You know, the interesting question is, how does the country go forward without an expert class on board? And I think that uh, that's something that a whole bunch of countries are facing. But in this country, which is in a tough uh, neighborhood and which has to defend itself, uh, you know, the idea that it's, it's not actually going to be at risk so much from outside, but more from inside. The U.S. White House has issued a statement saying it wished that Netanyahu had waited to make sure it was the right thing to do. And those protests mentioned, well, we're now getting reports that uh, masses of Israeli blocked roads in Jerusalem. Police used water cannons to clear them out. Massive protests in other cities as well. North Korea has fired off another ballistic missile. South Korea saying it fell into the waters off the East Coast. It comes ahead of the 70th anniversary of the signing of the Korean armistice on July 27th, 1950. It also comes as uh, North continues to protest the porting of the U.S. nuclear submarine in South Korea. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis plans to shake up his presidential campaign leadership, this amid pressure from donors and supporters to salvage his presidential bid. The major issue appears to be spending. Bloomberg's Nancy Cook on balance of power says DeSantis is really getting backed into a corner at this point. There is an ongoing campaign reset. Uh, You know, there's sort of a reset within the reset of him with ongoing campaign shakeups in the leadership ranks um, of his campaign. And so I think for DeSantis, he's just trying to survive the Republican primary. Nancy says uh, his defending the new Florida education policy on the teachings of slavery and seeming to intimate there was an upside to slavery does not play well politically either, but his immediate problem is the way the campaign is spending money. And Typhoon Duxury is stretched, uh, uh, strengthened and may intensify into a super typhoon before possible landfall on the northern Philippines. Its path would take it then to Taiwan. Maximum winds at this point just over 96 miles per hour. Duxury may become the first typhoon to hit Taiwan since 2019. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. This is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. 
I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Vonnie Quinn. Our guest is Tracy McMillian, Head of Global Asset Allocation Strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute. Tracy, thank you for joining us. So we, we see more bears kind of rationalizing their view. We mentioned Morgan Stanley and uh, others have, have joined in. And that's even though their core view is that recession and uh, a pullback in earnings could still be coming. Does that align with your house view? So our view has been that um, we are we are in a Fed tightening cycle. Uh, global central banks in general are tightening. We are seeing global growth start to slow down. And um, we are seeing some indications that um, there is some slowing uh, of growth in, in the U.S. as well. Um, but there's also this, this mountain of cash that um, the average consumer has on their balance sheets. Corporate balance sheets are pretty strong. And there is, um, there's also fairly high consumer confidence at, at the moment. Um, but we are fighting against tightening monetary policy. And eventually we do think that that tighter policy is going to have effects, um, lagged at, lagged effects, if you will. Um, and that um, we'd rather just be cautious at this point. That does not mean selling out of equities, but it does mean repositioning the portfolios to be a bit more cautious here. Tracy, what are we looking for? Because so far, data that come in, earnings that come in, they don't seem to be mar- knocking the market off its skis. No, you're, you're right, Bonnie. Um, the... Um, yeah, so far, uh, we've had a very good year in, in equities with double-digit returns across a lot of equities asset classes. But we do think we're starting to face some headwinds here. Um, we're, you know, expecting another rate hike this week, potentially additional rate hikes after that, especially if core inflation stays around this 5% level, you know, doesn't come off in the, in the next couple of months. We think that the Fed will continue to hike. Um, the jobs market has been really strong, but it is starting to show um, a few cracks. We think that could cause consumers to pull back on the margins, and we're entering a seasonally weak period. So, you know, again, just um, we think a little caution is probably in order here. Tracy, the S&P 500 is trading 5% above its 50-day moving average. Uh, So you could get a pullback of that 5%, perhaps sometime soon, and it would still be consistent with maintaining an upward trend. If we did pull back 5%, would you guys change your spots? Uh, Would you get long, or do you you think that uh, you you would stay with your view to be cautious? Yeah, we would say that that's still within the trading range that we've seen really since uh, last October. We've been in this very, very broad uh, no, Tracy, that's not range. that's that's not true. I mean, the 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 the, the range was really thirty eight hundred to forty two hundred, and we busted well above that. Now it's at forty five fifty four, so that's above a range that was in place since uh, you know long ways back. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's it's it you know you can still argue the bear case, but it's it's really not in a in that same range that we were in. You're you're absolutely right. It's not in the same range that we were in, but we do feel like this is probably just a counter trend rally still. Uh, We still are not, we're not above the uh, highs that we reached um, previously. And so, 
you know, we, we do think that it's very likely that we could see a pullback in the 5% range that you indicated, but we, we would not necessarily um, be buying into a 5% pullback. We, we'd want to see a little something more significant than that. Tracy, we had some mea culpas today. Well, a mea culpa from Mike Wilson, let's say, who says he missed out on last year's rally. Um, I mean, how are you supposed to look at it if you're a strategist? I mean, if you're still expecting the market to go down, but it's had a 20 or in you know the case of the Nasdaq, a 35% run up, have you missed something or are you just early? Yeah, so, you know, um, as I was as I was uh, saying, we aren't necessarily um, telling investors to move out of equities. We're we're telling them to uh, position within the equity space um, and position more cautiously within that space. And what we mean by that is that we would be moving money from things like small caps and emerging markets into large caps. And that's actually where most of, of the return has been so far this year. And so uh, a tactical shift like that, we think, is is something that has has benefited investors. Um, and same, you know, with, with the fixed income space. There, too, you know, we would be more cautious uh, looking at investment grade over high yield. Um, you know, that, that uh, trade has not worked out um, as well as the large cap trade has, but we still think that you know the the um, the yield spreads are probably a little bit tight, just considering yeah. where we might be in this cycle. Tracy, as a daily news show, uh, we want to talk about some of the other developments uh, happening uh, in the past 24 hours. China's a big part of that. The Politburo meeting, they put out a reading of some uh, changes in, in policy. And it looks like real estate will get a lot of uh, attention. Uh, th- does China hold the potential here to, uh, to improve global growth numbers if it finally does uh, get moving? Oh, definitely. Yes. China's a major player in global growth. So if we were to see you know, some improvement from the, the Chinese market, um, we we definitely think that that could improve the, the global um, growth outlook. And, you know, um, China is really uh, a support for that in entire Asian region. And so not only would we start to see some improvement from China, but probably from other areas in Asia as well. Um, unfortunately, we think that the, uh, the stimulus that we, um, that we saw today um, is not as aggressive as it might need to be in order to uh, jumpstart uh, what turned out to be a fairly disappointing recovery. So, you know, um, potentially areas like uh, Korea or Southeast Asia, um, Korea with their, their autos, Southeast Asia with tourism, you know, that might be areas where we, we might see some additional strength, even if we don't see it coming um, from China. Yeah, you're underweight EM equities, but as you say, there may be pockets around Asia where you could see some interesting trades. What about, uh, you know, alternatives or uh, as as in sort of something like maybe a commodity or even Bitcoin? I mean, is there room or is there a need for that in a portfolio? So we do think there is a need for real assets, and, and we consider commodities real assets, real tangible assets, real estate commodities. Um, we are we are uh, unfavorable real estate at the moment, but we do like commodities. We we do think that the um, that the globe is in a situation where um, supplies are 
still constrained, and we, you know, we, we're seeing some of that in in recent pricing and in, in things like oil. We think yeah. that um, you know food food supplies um, could tighten this year, and so we could see food prices also increase. So commodities is an important element of a portfolio, especially in times when uh, in inflation is an issue. Yeah. All right, Tracy, thanks so much for joining us. Tracy McMillian, head of global asset allocation strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.